Hello, and welcome to PW KidsCast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Barbara O'Connor, the author of many books for children, including On the Road to Mr. Minio's, How to Steal a Dog, The Fantastic Secret of Owen Jester, and The Small Adventure of Popeye and Elvis. This summer, O'Connor is back with a new novel, Wish, out this month from Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux, which is sponsoring this podcast. In Wish, readers meet Charlie Reese, age 11, who has just been forced to move from Raleigh, North Carolina, to the small town of Colby, where she'll be living with an aunt and uncle she doesn't even know. This is because her father is serving time for what Charlie describes as his fondness for fighting, and her mother has essentially checked out entirely, barely able to leave her bed. Like her daddy, Charlie has a temper, but as the weeks go by, she begins to rethink her opinions of life in Colby, with help from her aunt and uncle, a new friend, and a stray dog that she's determined to make her own. Uh, thanks for being here, Barbara. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure. So, you know, over the years that you've been writing, you, you've really carved out a niche for yourself, uh, you know, writing these sort of contemporary Southern stories for mm-hmm. a middle grade audience. Why do you think you're drawn to write for that age group? Well, it just seems to be my natural age group. Um, I love fourth graders. They're like my favorite. And that seems to be my natural writing age. I tried to write a picture book once, which I find very, very difficult. But I wrote one. It was called Four Fine Friends at the Sleepy Time Motel. And I sent it to my editor, Frances Foster. And she liked it, I think. She she said she liked it, but they had a lot of problems and she wanted me to do some revisions and I absolutely could not revise it. So I turned it into a novel, which became my novel, Greetings from Nowhere. <laughs> so I'm much better at writing middle grade than picture books. Yeah, you sent Francis only uh, novel ideas after that? Exactly. That's right. So I, I think you're, you're, you're based in North Carolina now and I believe you grew up in the South as well. You know, how much of your own Southern childhood do you put into stories like Wish and some of your other books? Oh, I put a lot. You know, when I first started writing, I was really struggling to find my voice, my writing voice as a beginning writer. And then I read Missing May by Cynthia Ryland. And that book really spoke to me because it had such a strong sense of place. She said it in the mountains of West Virginia where she grew up. And I thought, you know, maybe that's what I need to try to do is write about with a strong sense of place because the South was so important to me. So that's what I did. And it seemed to work. I found my voice and I found my groove and I'm able to draw my memories more and um, add more detail to the story. And um, I love the South. So it worked. Now that you're back and living in North Carolina again, do you, do you feel like kids growing up there can still kind of tap into the same childhood that you remember? I think so. They probably don't have quite as much freedom as I did playing in creeks and such, but there are a lot of little towns around here that do still have that sort of old way of life. And yeah, I think so. So can you talk about what some of the starting points were for, for this story in particular? Oh, for sure. Um, the setting, as we mentioned, um, I spent 26 snowy winters in Boston and then um, just a year ago headed back down to the south and I have such memories. I, I grew up at the base of the Blue Ridge Mountains and I spent a lot of happy childhood times there and now I'm living right smack in the middle of the Blue Ridge Mountains which is wonderful. I'm in Asheville, North Carolina surrounded by the mountains so I was very much inspired by that. So the setting was a very important part of the story for me. But then of course I needed a character to put into that setting. And a number of years ago, I was teaching a biography writing workshop for fifth graders. I I started my writing career writing biographies for young people. So I'd 
I was doing this writing workshop and I gave the students a questionnaire sheet and they were to go home and interview a relative and then bring the questionnaire back and I was going to work with them on writing the biography. So they did and they, the next day they came back with their questionnaire. So I asked them each to pick their favorite question and share it with the class. So one fifth grade boy um, had interviewed his grandmother and the question that he wanted to share was, um, what were some of your favorite activities as a child? And his grandmother had answered, ballet, soccer, and fighting. <laughs> so that was a treasure trove for a writer like me. So um, I was so struck by that. So when I needed to write Wishes Story, I thought, okay, I got my feisty little girl, Charlie, who likes soccer, ballet, and fighting. So that's where that came from. Definitely not afraid to kick a shin or throw a punch. <laughs> well, you know, so I've made my share of wishes over the years, but Charlie seems to know just about every single possible way one ought to make one. You know, And I've heard of things like wishing when the clock uh, hits 11-11, uh-huh. but but, you know, wishing based on the number of rows of on a corn of cob is, is somewhat new to me. You know, are, are these a, a mix of original wishing rules and ones that are more time honored? Did you come up with some of the ones in the book yourself? Those were a result of the magic of Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised if you Google ways to make a wish, uh, how many come up, you come up with. And I, I was able to put, choose some that were, you know, unique or fun or that would fit her a little better. So I, I, I can't take claim to have um, made any of them up. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to say. <laughs> well, you, you know, just wish in general, I feel like is one of those things that really can capture the mind of a child. Do you think? Oh, for sure. Do you think it's because it's a way of, I guess, feeling like you're almost bringing magic into your everyday life or something like that? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Sort of magical, and you know, I. I I still sort of believe in making wishes sometimes. You, could, I, you know, I'm a little superstitious that way, like pulling on the, we all, we've all pulled that wishbone on the chicken or the turkey, right? So yeah, I think it's something kids can really connect with. I was also thinking, you know, Charlie does go to church uh, with Aunt Bertha and Uncle Gus <laughs> and later, you know, vacation Bible school. But, you yeah. know, you can almost, I, I feel like in some circumstances, uh, you know, wishing almost comes across as like a, a sort of secular form of prayer, or maybe tapping into something greater than yourself. Does that does yeah. that seem fair? Yeah, it does seem fair. That seems a um, good way to put it, I think. And the church scenes, it was important for me to add those. One reason is because Southern people have a, a very strong faith. And there are a lot of churches, even the little towns will have a lot of churches. And church was a big part of my childhood. And I went to vacation Bible school. Um, and I think there are some kids who may not have had that experience. So it might be unique to some and it might also be something that other kids can certainly relate to. So I tried to, I wanted to give it a little bit of a spin on not just the school setting, but the Sunday school setting. Uh, you know, well, speaking of Aunt Bertha, I feel like she kind of fits in with a, a history of these bold, personable, and maybe talkative Southern women uh, in some of your books. You know, is that safe to say? And have you known uh, your share of Aunt Bertha types? Absolutely. That's definitely fair to say. Um, you know, maybe I'm prejudiced, but I do love Southerners. And, you know, I'm married to um, a, a Yankee from Buffalo, New York. And I've, in, when we were headed south, I told him so many times, you're just going to love the Southerners. They're so nice. They're so nice. And he'll come home from Lowe's now and say, these Southerners are so nice. So they really are. And so I love the good-hearted ones like Bertha and just down to earth and, um, you know, hardworking and kind-hearted. And I've seen my share of Bertha's. And, you know, Charlie isn't your first character to wind up uh, living with an aunt because of problems at home. Uh, I think that was also the case with Pearl in uh, Moon Pie and Ivy. Oh, and, yeah. and, you know, other parental troubles have cropped up in, in your other books, too. Yeah. Um, why do you think that's a, a theme you've uh, returned to? Well, that, first of all, I'm very good memory. I, I, when, as you were saying, I, thought, I was trying to think, well, what book was that? Well, 
I feel very strongly that if I'm writing realistic fiction, then I'm going to write realistic fiction. And we all know the real world isn't perfect. And um, I like to, you know, mix it up a little bit and and write about circumstances that may not be perfect, that many children experience and many children don't experience. And I think it's a good way to um, help show them empathy towards other kids, or maybe they'll relate to it. Um, you know, I, I go in schools all the time. I'm around kids all the time, and lots of kids come from troubled families. Um, so I'm, I don't shy away from those circumstances, and um, maybe I'm kind of a sucker for the down and out, but I kind of like those characters who have those sort of struggles and are able to rise above them and turn out okay in the end. So I, I like exploring those types of themes. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, empathy, and that makes me think of uh, the character of Howard. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about him and how he balances out uh, Charlie and her interest in fighting, among other things. Yeah, sure. How I loved Howard so much. Uh, Howard was actually in another manuscript. <laughs> um, the story was just kind of faltering. So I set it aside for a while, but I really liked Howard. So I just plucked him out of another manuscript and plucked him into this one because I think he was perfect for Charlie. He was, you know, the contented, calm, natured, good-hearted. And I thought that was a nice balance to Charlie. And he told it like it was, you know, he tried to help her with her temper. And also he was a much loved boy and um, she was able to see that in him and his family. And um, so, yeah, he was important to me. Not only his family environment, but his balance to Charlie. And um, he just made a good friend for her, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, are there particular moments uh, in Charlie's story or certain details that maybe are especially personal to you? You know, um, my mind uh, goes to the that fact that the, the, the room that she's staying in with uh, Aunt Bertha is uh, full of canning jars, for example. <laughs> <laughs> were there certain uh, details that, you know, you mentioned pulling a lot uh, from your past into your stories. Were, were there certain elements in this one that uh, I guess are more personal than others? Yeah, I'd say so. One particular one is her relationship with her sister. I feel like my sister and I had a really nice relationship like that. And there were a couple of times in Wish where they talk about um, listening to their parents arguing in the middle of the night. And my sister and I had that experience together. And it's sort of a bonding thing when you're a kid. Um, it's kind of scary. And when you bond with a sibling and um, are overhearing, you know, dysfunction in your family. It can be kind of scary. So it's nice to have a sibling to do that with. So I drew on that. And I love the, you know, the, um, the vegetable garden. Uh, my grandfather had a huge vegetable garden, even grew peanuts. And we spent a lot of time in that garden. And um, so I could sort of visualize that. And um, I loved um, the, all the scenes with the garden. Um, you know, I was also struck by, uh, you know, there, there are several times in the story where Charlie wants to say something or knows she needs to say something, but, mm -hmm. but she has trouble getting the words out, you know, whether yeah. it's an apology or an I love you. Do you think it's easy to forget how difficult it is, uh, you know, to form the, some of those words when you're a child and, you know, maybe yeah. for some adults too, but. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Particularly, you know, she came from a family that she didn't hear that very often. So she had no experience with expressing it or, or receiving it. Um, and that's why she was so struck by Howard's family, who were so open in their expression of their love, they were always getting kissed and hugged and, um, you know, exchanging kind words with one another. So because she had no experience with that, um, it didn't mean she didn't feel it, but I think it was hard for her to express it just from lack of experience. Anyway, again, with her sister, she had great fun, loving feelings for her sister, but um, had struggled to express them sometimes. Yeah, you mentioned that, especially with relation to... Uh the way that uh, Howard's family is, you know, the, the phrase that popped into my head and it maybe 
harsher than it needs to be, but I almost think of sometimes Charlie as being almost a little love starved at some points. Absolutely. I think that's a good way to put it. And she definitely was and needed it so desperately. And I think also when, then when she was receiving it from Bertha, especially, um, it was kind of foreign to her. I don't, maybe she, I think it took a while for it to sink in, um, how much Bertha really did love her. And, uh, you know, maybe some similarities that readers can pick up between, uh, Charlie's situation and that of, uh, the dog that she is so desperately trying to, uh, make her own. Exactly. She recognized in him, he was, he had no home and she felt like she had no home and he was a fighter. She was a fighter. Um, and I think she felt that bond with him and, and wanted to, and she wanted to find something that she could love and would love her back. And she was so struck by Bertha telling her that dogs love you no matter what. So yeah, she really needed that dog to sort of affirm what she was lacking, which is a sense of place and love. And who um, doesn't want a dog, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think something else that's uh, factored into a couple of your books, you know, the importance of a really good animal in your life. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, the novel is going to be here real soon. Uh, do you have any uh, particular plans in store for when it, when it arrives? Yes, I'm having a book launch at Malaprops, a wonderful um, local independent bookstore here in Asheville. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm doing it with a friend of mine. Uh, one of my best friends here has a, a middle grade novel coming out within days of mine. So we're doing a, you know, doing it together. So that's going to be fun. So, oh, and also another good thing that happened is I have a dear librarian, school librarian friend at a school I used to visit regularly when I lived in New England. And um, she's going to host a book launch party at her local independent bookstore in uh, Rhode Island. So I think that's pretty great. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. I made a little video today to send her to have her, her party. So I'm always honored by that. Hmm, excellent. And, um, you know, are, is there anything you're in the midst of working on bookwise you can talk about? Well, I, I am working on it, but I'm at that working in my head stage. <laughs> I do that mm-hmm. for quite a long time before I actually put pen, I actually write by hand. I put pen to paper. So I, I need to get, I need to know those characters really well before I can start the story because they lead me through the story. So I'm at that stage where I'm still cooking around with that character, um, before I actually uh, hold my nose and jump in the deep end. And uh, do you think it's fair to say that, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, uh, middle grade is going to continue to be your home as an author? I think that you, that's a fair statement to say. It just feels my most comfortable range. Um, and I've, and I, as you pointed out earlier, I've sort of I found a niche for myself in the Southern settings. And I think that's sort of expected of my writing sometimes. Not to say I'm not going to burst out of my box at some point, but I, I'm comfortable there and I like it a lot. So that's what I'll stick with for a while, I think. Great. Well, uh, congratulations again on the new book and thanks for being here, Barbara. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It's fun talking about it. Once again, I've been speaking with Barbara O'Connor, whose latest novel is Wish, out this month from Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux. Thank you for listening to PW Kidscast. 